Coming up on today's episode of the Real Lives Podcast. And I immediately thought, okay, I, I ruptured something in my knee. Something popped in my knee and there started a pus coming out. Um, and we immediately went actually to the uh, emergency care. And there they kept me for three day, three nights. But I never saw anyone talk about like odd position strength, something I talk a lot about on, on my channel and range strength. I never see anyone talk about that. You should imagine the worst conditions ever in your home country. If you're from a place where you can surf, those are the waves that we surf in Belgium and are super stoked about. Uh, the manager, the boss of, of O'Neill in Belgium, and he uh, saw me surfing um, and he actually saw something in me and he was like, all right, I want to sponsor that kid. On today's episode, I have on professional surf coach Keith Marcantuoni. Keith is an incredibly knowledgeable coach, especially in the realm of surfing, having been a you know, a high-level surfer himself um, from Belgium. And throughout his years, he's obviously transitioned into the coaching realm. And he has a very incredible, like very different philosophy from what most S&C coaches would have. He places a lot of emphasis and focus on bodyweight work with a lot of mobility and flexibility in that. And I think it's really interesting conversation that we have when we talk about all the things to do with about how to become a better surfer, um, how different skills and uh, strength training sessions can transfer over into uh, surfing itself. We also talk about how he built his coaching philosophy and also his recent knee injury, which he got while surfing in Bali, which is a crazy story. And during the episode, he also gives some advice for new and up and coming coaches and also those who want to specifically build a uh, online client base through social media. So this isn't just an episode about surfing. It's you know it's an episode for all coaches looking to get into the coaching industry, and to help you build your coaching philosophy in your niche as well. So you can find all of Keith's links down in the description below if you want to be coached by him, if you want to go to one of his surf camps or something like that. And also please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast because it's something like only four percent of those who are subscribed watch the podcast. So the rest of you are just turning up and sodding off. So please hit that button somewhere. Thanks. Greatly appreciated. So without further ado, here's Keith Marcantuoni. Enjoy. Okay, so Keith, thanks for coming on. And uh, sorry about all the, you know, all the little problems we've just had. But um, yeah, I'm excited to get this one done because I came across your training philosophies and things like that. And obviously your approach to how you adapt your training to tailor it to surfing. And I was really interested to talk to you about how you've sort of come to these different philosophies and things like that. And also your journey yourself with um, how your training's changed over the years. So if you want to just tell everyone who you are and what you do. Yes, thank you so much, Ethan, for the invite uh, for me to come on the podcast. I appreciate that. Now, so my name is Keith Marcantuoni. I'm a surfer from Belgium and I'm also a personal trainer. I started uh, surfing around 18 years ago, um, and I was uh, sponsored by O'Neill for a long time, uh, the team here in, in Belgium, and then later on also O'Neill Europe. Um, and back in that time, when I was a, a grom, a small surfer, uh, there was not that much of training going on. Uh, we had some coaches who tried to implement like physical training into our surfing, but most of it was just technical surf coaching. Uh, like we still know it today. Then later on, I, I started studying uh, to become a sports teacher and eventually a personal trainer. 
um, in the last year of my my bachelor degree, we got like a, a choice to do a specialization in uh, personal training, and that was like really my my biggest interest. So I went for that, and then eventually started working as a personal trainer back here in Belgium. And actually, soon uh, I realized um, it was actually already before I started working as a personal trainer, but. I realized uh, how much the impact was of physical training on my surfing uh, in the way that due to the training that I did on land, I could spend much more time in the water, uh, throw bigger, uh, make bigger maneuvers, um, uh, get into like way more radical positions whilst I'm surfing. And I was seeing this direct relation in between the training and the surfing. So I went deeper into studying um, all that and now um, I started level up and that's actually how it all uh, how it all started nice so you said there you like you started surfing 18 years ago so you you were obviously a kid when you started and like I'm not familiar with obviously a surfing scene in Belgium so how often were you able to get surfing and stuff like that like were you based by the coast or was it like regular trips you were taking and things like that yeah, so um, I live near the coast, five minutes walking, I'm at the beach, but the Belgian coast is only 62 kilometers long, so we don't have that much uh, 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 places to surf, and also we have the UK who's right in front of us, so there's not much swell coming through. So we surf in Belgium every time when it's storming, and I mean like really bad weather, uh, so that we have a wind swell. Um, so it's really difficult to surf in Belgium because the waves are really unpredictable. Oftentimes the, 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 the period in which you can surf is only a couple of hours. So you have to be, um, right at the spot when it's on, um, just for the people who are listening, um, you should imagine the worst conditions ever in your home country. If you're from a, a place where you can surf. Those are the waves that we surf in Belgium and are super stoked about. Um, also, every single time when the waves were on, me as a kid and, and with my friends, we were we were just in the water. Uh, just uh, part of my philosophy is all is also that when there is a wave, even if it's if it's just small foam um, running uh, to the beach, you can surf it. If it if it's a wave, you can surf it. And Belgian surfers actually. Uh, managed to surf some really uh, what a lot of people would call bad conditions and we can have a lot of fun in them and do do maneuvers um, so just every single time when there was a wave and still until today I go surf and uh, we also of course try to do uh, do trips to southwest of France it's like 10 hours driving for us but even closer you you have some some good places to surf also in in Holland in the Netherlands, you have uh, a little bit more exposure. UK is less in front of the, the Netherlands. So we go there. And also, I was so lucky to be sponsored by O'Neill that I had the chance to do a lot of trips. Um, went to different places around the world, outside of Europe as well. And um, in the summer also, um, I was like two months, when it was like school vacation, I was two months in in, um, in France to, to train. Yeah. Yeah. So what age was it that you became uh, sort of sponsored by O'Neill and how did you get the exposure to get to that point where they contacted you and obviously brought you on board? 
Yeah, um, you have to know that being sponsored as a surfer in Belgium, uh, the level of surfing is much lower than in countries uh, like, for instance, in France or in like wave rich countries, I would call them, where you can surf like every day. Um, so just for the people who are listening, my my level for a Belgian surfer was like good. Um, but if you would compare me to a, a, sp a sponsored team rider from um, France, for instance, southwest of France, I would be uh, not that, that good compared to, to those people. But how, how did it go? I, I was around 10, 10 or 11 years old. It was actually pretty early on. And it was uh, one guy, Chris Verhote, uh, from Belgium, who was like the, 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 the manager, the boss of O'Neill in Belgium. And he uh, saw me surfing. Um, and he actually saw something in me and he was like, all right, I want to sponsor that kid, give him uh, some wetsuits, uh, some clothes, some gear, and then uh, let's see what, what happens. And then eventually I got better and better. Uh, I joined the, the team. We did a, a surf trip to Morocco, it was. Tried to surf some bigger waves for the first time. Um, and then uh, then that's how it, how it went, yeah. Yeah, so obviously going from transitioning from like your, your typical surf in Belgium and maybe the Netherlands and the odd trip to the south of, southwest of France. How was it then going to those bigger waves and obviously transitioning into that sort of surf rather than like, you know, as you were saying, what everyone would call bad conditions. How was it going from them to then like these, you know, typically on a, on a regular basis, you're getting these massive waves and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Also, for the people who are listening, if, 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 if as a Belgian surfer, we say a, a bigger wave, that is just an average day in, in Australia, like uh, two, two or three meter waves, that never happens in Belgium, unless when it's like over 100 kilometers an hour wind and like blowing wind for days, then maybe we have like massive wind swell uh waves but like the real like the ground swell the really powerful waves like tubing waves we don't have that here that's uh that's already for for a lot of belgian surfers that i know it's like very intimidating so yeah definitely going from belgian waves to uh the 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 more bigger waves and you know from our perspective is is all about like building up you you just go in uh, and just gra gradually you build up your experience in those waves. It's not that you can uh, go from from really small waves all of a sudden into like much bigger waves. It's you go in the water first sessions. It's just um, waiting, uh, just trying to manage to go get back uh, in the lineup. Uh, wait your turn maybe I, I when I was a small kid I remember there were a lot of sessions that I didn't catch any waves and that's also what I try to teach to 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 more adults uh, who are learning to surf now that it, it's okay that if you have as a, as a beginner or an intermediate surfer that some sessions you don't catch any waves that's okay just being there in the water paddling um, learning how to behave in a, a crowded lineup that's all part of surfing it's not only standing up on your surfboard and riding the wave so for me that was a big part of the learning process obviously I was a really small kid uh, in the team with O'Neill I remember that I was like the, the really small kid and all the other guys were already teenagers or, or adults so yeah, if I go surf with those guys, it is normal that I'm not catching as many waves um, as them or even some sessions catching 
no waves at all. So it's just gradually exposing yourself, uh, trying to find your um, your how you say that your your limits, but don't go too far beyond it, or it will be dangerous. So just try to push the boundaries, but be very mindful and very um, thoughtful about how you push those boundaries so that it doesn't become a dangerous situation for yourself and also not for the other surfers in the lineup. And just that's how you build up, build up, build up, and you can go as far as, as you want with that. I know some surfers here in Belgium, a good friend of mine who surfs big waves, like like we can call it big waves, like really uh, 10, 10 meters plus waves. And and he's a guy from Belgium. How How did he do that? Well, just the same thing. He's surfing for over 20 years and he's just gradually pushing him, himself um, uh, to those bigger, bigger waves. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because like, like you said there, like obviously it's okay to have sessions where you don't catch anything. And trust me, like I, so I moved out to Melbourne, Australia about, it was just over, just over 18 months ago. Um, and while I was there, I obviously took up surfing, like being in Melbourne, you're right near the Great Ocean Road, so you can get to Torquay within an hour. So it's really easy to get there. But shit, I had like I could, so many sessions where I just got battered. And there was one in particular where on, it was on my birthday last year, I took a trip up to the Gold Coast. And the surf there in comparison to what you get in Melbourne is just like nothing you experience. It's crazy. And I just got, I got it battered. The, I got, I think I caught one wave in about three hours and I just got absolutely battered. But for that one wave, it was so worth it. it was, everything was worth it because it felt so good. You know, all, because it's, a, that's the thing, like when you're getting into surfing, you don't realize actually how taxing it is on the body in terms of trying to keep your position in the water, you know, trying not to shift with the swell and stuff and then also the amount of times that you paddle for a wave and you just miss it and stuff like that and then catching that first one is like it's the best feeling in the world yeah yeah i can completely completely relate to that mm. yeah so have you so you have you surfed australia at all or have you spent most of your time in europe yeah, I've, I've been in Australia this year. Um, I did a, a long travel. I traveled for nine months together with my, my girlfriend in Asia. And it was actually not the plan to go to Australia. Um, but then we uh, got to know two, two guys, one who's living in um, near Margaret River, West Coast, and then one uh, guy who's living uh, on, on the Gold Coast. Yeah, and both of those guys actually invited us to come to their home. And, oh, nice! Yeah, my girlfriend, we're straight away like, yeah, let, let's do it. Let's let's visit our friends there. Um, we first went to West Australia um, in Gracetown. Uh, so yeah, we surfed uh, surfed all the spots there. Me and my friend, and then um, we also went to the Gold Coast. And I have to say that the, um, the West Australia is like. I have a good friend of mine who've been there a few times and he always explained to me like it's raw. It's like really, yeah, raw. That's the word he, he said. Um, and I can now, when I when I was there, I was there for like um, a little bit more than one week. And yeah, it's so raw. It's so powerful. The, the waves as well are, are like super strong, super powerful. And I actually, yeah, I really enjoyed it there. And then the Gold Coast was was also beautiful, more tropical um and the waves were yeah, a little bit softer there i would say hmm. uh, yeah so I've, I've been in australia for 
for two two or three weeks uh that's it but i'm definitely going back yeah because they host um the world surf league don't they in uh, jean jacques beach in which is on the great ocean road and because of because of the antarctic winds that you get coming up towards like the south of australia if you don't like for, for obviously a beginner sometimes you just don't time it that well in terms of like you get a really windy day and oh my god it's like the hardest conditions you can you can be in and you just you're just getting taken you know you start in one position within 10 minutes you're about half a mile down down the coast kind of thing because you just get wiped out and it's it is so fun. I, there i think the surf culture as well is so fun because obviously people have been doing it for years and years and you know everyone there actually is really helpful in terms of like even in the water they'll be like maybe try this or do this like the amount of times their conversations with people is crazy and the community is something that because of, I, I think because obviously you're in the water it's kind of isolating in a way because obviously if you catch a wave you're away from people straight away but people are very helpful very like open with you and just be like maybe try this or try this and it's like a really good community to be in i think yeah yeah, that's 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 so cool to hear that that people help each other, and uh, yeah, that that's what it's all about. I, I think yeah, everyone has to start somewhere, and if you're a more experienced surfer and you see someone struggling or or, or having coming up to you and having some questions, then all you can do is is help that person because you 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 as a more experienced surfer also started started there. So yeah, that's cool to hear. So. Uh- when you were obviously when you were sponsored, I, I'm guessing the goal was to push yourself to become like a pro athlete and you know sort of compete in as many competitions as possible. But obviously, then you've transitioned into surf coaching and the performance aspect of it. So, at what point was it that you decided that that was going to be the transition that you would make um, in order to sort of further your career as it is now? Yeah. Well, actually. Uh, the the realization um, and that is so for a lot of Belgian surfers the realization that um, you you can't become I, I don't say it's impossible but for now no one ever has achieved it the 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 the, the, the chance of becoming a professional surfer uh, in Belgium on on like the European or or the world stage. Uh, without leaving the country is is now un, unseen uh, and for me uh, the realization came at i don't know maybe i was was 16 or something or 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 even earlier at, at 14 years old the the thing was that i had to move uh, to another country uh, we looked at at france also actually at australia we had a, some friends there uh, to move there and to live there and 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 study there and then um, try to 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 yeah level up and become like maybe maybe you know a professional surfer, uh, but then uh, we decided not to do that, and then I just continued uh, being a sponsored surfer here in in Belgium and the Benelux. Uh, obviously, also just did competition here in within the Benelux, and then there was a time between. Yeah, I think maybe 16 and, and, and 18 or 19 when I started uh, going to the university um, that I, yeah, that I was just enjoying surfing, but didn't know, I already accepted the fact that I would never become a professional surfer. But uh, between that, it was like just that, that time of a few years. And then when I actually started studying uh, and started uh, experiencing the effects of, of physical training on my surfing. That's when I 
um, yeah, started creating this idea of, yeah, maybe I should also start doing coaching trips, but then implement the physical training into it because no one else is, is doing it. Um, and yeah, it actually grew over the years. It grew. Uh, I also I already, since I'm like 15 or 16, I started working on these surf camps as an instructor and then I started working at a surf club. And then eventually, um, when I got a bit older, I, I, I made a step to start with level up and then do the whole thing, the physical training, um, with the, the online coaching and, and the coaching trips, because I also did a lot of, of coaching trips, uh, participated in a lot of coaching trips myself. When we were with O'Neill, there was a lot of like, uh, coaching, um, coaching weeks that were organized where they would hire, uh, some surf coaches and then with the team we would do a week or two weeks um, so I, I I had all that experience so I know how, how a surf coaching trip uh, was like designed and how it it, uh, it worked but then over the years I realized yeah the physical part we cannot neglect it if we look also at the pro surfers and it's actually in every sport but in surfing we see it's it's getting slowly more and more adopted and I have the feeling that right now on the world stage you can't get there without it um so yeah uh yeah that that's how how that went mm. yeah it's it's an interesting one because it's like uh, i guess it's with any sport but i feel like it's been a bit more delayed to get there like say if you look at say football for example where you look you look back to the 80s and 90s there wasn't really anything other than playing football that would happen and then now you look at how players are performing like they're probably spending four or five days in the gym alone just working specifically on things which will help tailor their game. And it's, I guess it's the same for surfing where, you know, you need to be able to produce the power for the pop-up and you need to be able, you need to have the that sort of muscular endurance in the legs to be able to pump with the waves, but you're not going to get that without the training. So for, for you, when you started sort of re that realization, like you can't neglect the, the training aspect, what, what were you doing at, in the initial stages to then help, sort of enhance your performance on a surfboard and then how has that adapted over the years as well yeah like like, like i said earlier in the beginning uh when, when i was a um was a grub myself there wasn't that much of a uh of a of a um how we say that there was not much of a push from the the coaches and the managers uh, towards the the, the, the the groms to like do do physical training there wasn't that knowledge at least not here in, in Belgium I know in Australia they are already for years they are are doing that uh, but here it wasn't the case it was like just serve every time when you can serve serve as much as you can um, advising the parents to to do to, to, to bring your kids as much as possible to surf trips and just like that. So back in the days, I, I think I got lucky that I was a very uh, sportive uh, kid. I did a lot of different sports. Um, I did uh, some gymnastics. I did uh, swimming. Uh, that was one thing. And I can advise any any kid or any parent who's listening right now, just bring your kids to this, the swimming uh, pool. Uh, that was one thing that my parents told that you can serve as much as you want, but you have to be a good swimmer. And uh, luckily, that's it's really important. So I did a lot of swimming. Then I did water polo. Um, water polo, you know what, what that is? 
Yeah, yeah, it's the it's yeah. the sport where you with the ball. It's basically like handball, but swimming the entire yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I was saying that right. So I did water polo, which is really um, really good because you're swimming with the head above water. A lot on the arms. You're not losing losing the legs at much, that much. Um, so yeah, and that was actually the things that I was doing. I was doing some running back then. I got really early into um, body weight training just because I was interested in that. So the, 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 like the click where I realized that the training is so important for, for surfing, or at least it can, for the people who want, it can really benefit your surfing. That click actually came later where I uh, really started studying uh, sports science. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. So, what was it that made you pick sports science as a, as a degree? Was it because of your interest in sport in general or was it because you wanted to sort of see how you could adapt certain things you would learn into your surf training and things like that? Yeah, I um, I got lucky that in high school I um, was in a sports school in Bruges. It's a city near where I live. And uh, in that school, I specifically went to that school because you have a uh, sport status that you can get. And then every time when you, when I had to go on a surf trip, they would just I just need to have a paper and they say, yeah, you can leave school. You can go on, on your surf trip or your competition or, or whatever. So I went to that school and I was in, in class with like professional football players, uh, the highest level of tennis players, swimmers. Uh, so I was in a group of like athletes, athletes. Yeah. Uh, and I had had luck that I had some good teachers there who were also in, uh, yeah, they were sport teachers, but like also um, pushing their own their own limits. Like I know there was one teacher; she was doing marathons. Uh, and then I remember really specifically that I decided to become a sport teacher because uh, within that um, that school, uh, in I think it was. In my in my fifth or sixth year, um, we we got the chance to do like micro teaching was part of the the educational program. And micro teaching is that um, the sport teacher would just tell uh, the, the, the 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 students to give to teach each other something. Um, and it was actually in in ball sports. I'm not so much into ball sports other than than water polo. And, uh, um, yeah, they, they asked us to teach each other, um, I don't know, uh, to dribble a uh, football, you know. And then I actually, I, I, I did it. And I, I realized that I really enjoyed teaching. Um, and then the teacher uh, also told me, like, yeah, you're doing, you're doing a good job. Um, you're, you're, you could be a good teacher. Um, and I, like, really enjoyed it. And that's also around the age, I probably was, like, 15 or 16, where I did a student job as a surf coach in a surf club and on surf camps. And I realized, man, I, I really like teaching people. I really enjoy that. And then uh, I had one teacher in that same school who was a, a football um, or soccer uh, teacher, and he told us about his second job, that after school hours he was a personal trainer. I, cl I clearly remember that moment. It was a personal trainer. What, what, what is that? I never heard of that. And then he explained what a personal trainer was. And I was like, man, so that's teaching and uh, teaching everything about physical training. And um, like I told you before, back then I was already into like body weight training and some, some, some doing push-ups and calisthenics, like really basic stuff. 
Um, and that's actually the moment when I realized like, okay, I want to become a, I want to become a teacher. So when I have to go to university, I will, I will apply for the program and I will, will do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because personal training, I feel like now, so sport, cause I did sports science as a degree as well. So I feel like in years previous, everyone who did sports science, it was because they wanted to be a teacher, but now it seems to be the route is like to be a personal trainer. Um, so when you saw, when you graduated and obviously you then got into personal training, were you just working in a regular gym with like general population or were you trying to get straight into that, like pushing into the surfing with it? Yeah. So, um, so when I was at, 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 uh, doing my bachelor degree, uh, obviously I had to do an inter internship and, uh, when I was doing my internship, um, I applied for a couple of, um, personal training studios so it's not like a, a standard like gym or um yeah it's like really like a studio private uh, private studio and um the one that i like really wanted to to go um said that that i could go for um for a talk and then eventually uh, i went there and they uh, gave me a job uh, to do my internship and then after uh, when I finished my bachelor degree, I um, wanted to do physiotherapy. I was like, okay, let's continue these stu these studies because I I, I it was I was quite uh, good good with it, and I was like, let's do physiotherapy. But then uh, when I finished my my uh, my bachelor degree, I got mail from the studio where I did my internship, and they uh, said, Yeki, we want to give you a job. And I was like, yeah, man, I, I can't. Um, I was like a little bit doubting, like, oh, should I not continue my studies? But I was like so stoked about that place because there's like an, a lot of like really good trainers there. It's like a team of, of all personal trainers from different, uh, like some is, some guys like uh, working at the highest level with football players. Another guy is like Olympic. Uh, he went to the Olympics for uh for belgian for gymnastics another trainer is like internationally known for flexibility training so like all these different people and i could work in that team so that's also why i applied for the internship and then because i work in that team i was like yeah let's do it and that's that's how i i, I started working as a personal trainer in a private uh private uh personal training studio and my role uh was in the beginning pretty broad like i would have people yeah just just everything like people who want to lose weight people who want to become a little bit more flexible strength and conditioning just everything and then now it narrows more and more and more into what i do and that's the, the surfing and flexibility training yeah yeah i think it's really important as well when you're starting out because i was all i was also a personal trainer and the gym i worked in we had guys who were working for england national team um for football we had guys who'd worked it like within professional rugby, people who are working with the GB snow sport and stuff like that. So working in all these different scopes, but we also had people who would even like, they would just work generally with people who wanted to lose weight or, you know, wanted to just be more athletic later in life sort of thing. And I, it, I think it's really important to sort of surround yourself with a broad scope of different philosophies so that you can help to, it basically helps you to, tailor your own and see what you want to do because obviously when you're looking at what they do and how they do it you could be like 
maybe that's not for me, but I'll take this from it. And this guy does this. So maybe that is a bit more my style. So I'll take that and stuff like that. And then, so based on that, how, so what was your training philosophy? Well, coaching philosophy in that sort of first year and how did you adapt that to then your surf coaching as well? Yeah. When I, when I, when I started working as a personal trainer, I was just like, and actually I'm, I'm, I still am today is I want to learn as much as possible. Like you mentioned from all these different, uh, different visions and different, different people, different trainers coming from different fields. Um, and that's actually how I, I created over the years more like everyone, you, you have a little bit more interest in specific, um, visions. And for me, that was the flexibility training because I never heard of that before. Also in my, my uh, education that I got in university, I never uh, had, uh, had anything about uh, flexibility. And there were some coaches where I, I started working that were really like into that on a really high level. Um, and also hand balancing and um, the more advanced um, calisthenics kind of, uh, kind of training. Um, and yeah, I, th I think my focus, I think when I started, I was just like this, this guy who just wanted to learn as much as possible. And then I, my, my focus more narrowed uh, towards the things that I felt like intrigued by. Um, and I think just, just by starting practicing those, those, um, those topics myself and studying it, that I started to see the value it had in, in surfing. Uh, because we all know, everyone knows that swimming uh, can be beneficial for surfers. We all know that just following a strength and conditioning program can be beneficial for surfers. But I never saw anyone talk about like odd position strength, something I talk a lot about on, on my channel and range strength. I never see anyone talk about that, but those are the, the positions in which we all injure ourselves. All the knee injuries that we see nowadays is all because it's odd positions and it's like going through the end ranges, but no one ever experienced it with their standard swimming or strength and conditioning program. And of course then people injure themselves because it's um, something they haven't experienced or trained before. So I think it's just by, by seeing the value in, in that, that I that I now uh, created my let's say vision, um, uh, and 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 yeah, and and focus on the things that I do now as a coach. Yeah, because one that I think is really important that you do put an emphasis on is knee valgus, because I saw a reel that you put you put up of I can't remember the surfer's name, but it was a video of him, and he caught a wave and he blew out his knee, and it was because it was in knee valgus, like obviously where your knee caves in. And then you then went into it like sort of a sort of a tutorial of like a specific like you were, there was a couple of videos I saw one where you were doing jumps where your back your back leg was in that knee valgus position um, squats into that position isometric holds and things like that so for you was did you almost feel like you were the odd one out who was looking at this when you started doing it or do you feel like there was maybe a few people who were doing it that you sort of got the idea from? Um, first, originally, I uh, saw uh, uh, this type of training from some colleagues of mine. 
who were doing really weird because in 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 the, the place where I, I I used to work we also train ourselves I think for any personal trainer who's, who's listening now or anyone that's interested in in becoming a trainer you have to practice yourself you don't have to be the the best practitioner uh, or, the, or I mean the best athlete yourself you don't you know you can you cannot always be better than your clients as a surf coach you also will have surfers who you coach who will be, be better surfers than you that's all okay but you have to practice and train yourself so in the place that i worked in the noon or in the in the the break time we used to 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 train ourselves and i saw some some there was one colleague i saw doing some like really weird stuff which in my education was always um, uh, um, being told that those positions were bad. They were like, no, that's bad. You will injure yourself. You have to avoid those positions, like flexing your back. Uh, everyone will tell you you will blow out, blow out a disc. And, um, and, and, and then all of a sudden I saw the, that one guy doing Jefferson curls with 40 kgs or or squatting doing sissy squats with with his knees caved in i'm like what the hell um so i started uh, questioning questioning asking questions and then i learned that uh tissue can adapt and that it's not only uh like perfect joint centration that is correct movement but that you can also move outside of that that you can condition your body to uh be be strong in these odd uh, positions and that tissues can adapt um so out of that i started uh realizing that hmm surfing if if we just pause a surf clip we see this body going in the exact positions which is taught in regular education to be bad but we are surfing for three four five hours a day constantly going through these motion on an inst motions on an unstable object on a surfboard with a wave, um, with all crazy forces going through our body, super unpredictable. Uh, so yeah, if if the the literature would be correct, then nobody would be surfing because everyone would 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 blow their knees out all the time, and and break break their backs. <laughs> um, so then I I I I started started studying that and started experimenting myself with knee valgus, with, with what I would call like um, the surf squats um, and then starting to load it up, feeling like, okay, actually if my hips rotate good and my ankle, uh, my ankles is, are good, then eventually I can do squats with a barbell in my neck with a knee valgus position and my knees would feel perfectly fine and just go, go just progressively overload, test, test and trial and error and then, um, yeah, I, I also because you, you, you also asked me if, if I felt like I was like the, 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 the weird guy um, in the beginning, it was just an experiment. And then uh, I soon realized that some coaches actually are already implementing uh, these things. Uh, I see the this coach, uh, which I don't know personally, but the coach of Kyleni is actually um, do, letting Kyleni do uh, surf squats with uh, quite some load and uh, doing jumps, um, box jumps um, with, with rotations, landing into uh, the, the surf stance. So I saw him on, on, that's actually on social media, right? I saw him doing that. And then I think a few other, other coaches as well. Um, so 
so yeah then i then i soon realized that yeah okay this is this is if these guys are doing that maybe we should go a little bit further and see how it goes um yeah and then soon realized that 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 it works yeah because that my first introduction to sort of away from your typical linear training where like you know it's your squats your deadlifts your everything's like predictable was a guy called lucas Ahrens who his range of strength on instagram yeah he's actually and was my mentor for a few years oh no way yeah so he so i bought his program and the it's a very humbling experience to train spinal flexion spinal extension in the ways that he does and obviously trying to learn how to get into side splits and front splits and train like simple things like you know a like a like a lunge where your feet are very like very far apart you you know your hip flexor is kind of like screaming at you to stop but you you're holding these positions and for me i was like it's really interesting that this because now obviously he's got a huge following and I'm talking like three, four years ago and he didn't have a massive following at the time. And I was like, it's baffling that people like this don't have more exposure to them because it's such a it's such an incredible way to train where it bulletproofs your body for not only like whatever sport you may be doing, but for life in general. Like if you've got to go lift a heavy load randomly, it's setting you up for, if you have to, like if there's spinal flexion involved, a lot of the time people will do the backing because they're not used to the spinal flexion. And now, like, I like yesterday, I was like felt a bit run down, so I was like, you know what, I'll try a new movement where it's less load, and it was zercher deadlifts. So you're starting out in a sort of your hamstrings in a very elongated position, and obviously you're picking the bar up in sort of the crease of the elbow, and obviously the spinal flexion involved with that. It's a it's a very humbling experience, you know, and it's like, and a lot of people like, I feel like sometimes because I go to a commercial gym. I'm like the weird guy who's training, but like <laughs> worldwide, there's so many people who are now doing it and it's so great to see. But so for you as well, like you, you put a big emphasis on because obviously during the pop-up of a surf, there's the spinal extension that you get into. And I've seen you do a lot of like back bridges and stuff like that. So when you obviously over the years, you've developed these things to now, like they're a part of your training. They're a part of what you teach to people. The, did you find as a coach you were kind of analyzing surf videos and how you were surfing and be like how can i so i've got to do this movement how do i adapt this into my training outside of surfing if that makes sense yeah yeah that's actually uh, how how it went i i started looking at 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 surfing and then and then see like like i mentioned earlier i realized that, that it's very odd and very outside of what is taught in in traditional uh, fitness education um and then indeed i looked at those positions starting to see patterns with for instance the surf squat that i teach and then um and then try to make and build exercises around around that because obviously there is no no educational platform uh, yet um for surf coaches to implement physical training and I start to build with the knowledge I have from my education around those positions. Also, um, one 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 position that we often see in more advanced surfing is a like a lateral lunge um, or like a Cossack Cossack squat. Uh, um, I like like to to call them the the level up level up squats because actually the 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 the, the toes keep 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 pointing forward 
so the, the the feet stay flat on the ground, and the um, back leg, with which you would uh, would would stand on the the tail pad for more more advanced surfers, uh, that leg would fully extend, whilst the front leg uh, would bend and carry all the 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 body weight. Like in Cossack squats, uh, we, we, we keep we, we, we rotate the uh, back leg. We do an external rotation to go more into the hamstrings to go deeper. But in surfing, obviously, you can't do that. But let's say just in this like lateral lunging, uh, these lateral lunging patterns, I started to see as well in more advanced surfing. Uh, so then I started developing uh, for my, myself and then eventually also my students um, more strength in those positions. Um, and then, then also so, so seeing results with, with, with students, uh, riders who, who, who train with me, seeing that they're doing maneuvers that they always uh, been doing, but now all of a sudden the position is much more advanced and much more beautiful to, to look at, uh, because of those exercises. Also in my own practice, I just saw when I did those exercises, it became like, I became really strong and flexible in my adductors. Um, and then I. I saw pictures and, and videos of myself surfing that I had uh, clips and, and pictures of myself that I never had before. And the only thing I changed was my approach to training. Um, yeah, it's, I think hip, they're like the hip adductors are one of the most neglected muscles in the body, along with maybe the tib anterior and probably your hip flexors. But like especially i think in most sports really where it's you're in an unpredictable environment you see a lot of times like people will pull their adductor and you look at the position they were in they're near enough in like a split position in what like sometimes you know and even on a surfboard where it may not even be a case of on the board sometimes you know if you if you catch a wave and you you you're sort of about to fall off you can notice, like I've noticed a few times where my hips have been in like a pretty wide position when I've fallen off the board. And probably if I didn't, because I, I do side split training a, a fair bit now. And if I hadn't done that, I probably would have pulled my adductor at that point. And it's something that people don't realize you need to be doing, but should be doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that that's what, what the whole, um, what, what my whole... Um vision is with 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 or philosophy is um with level up is that it's train on land perform on water the i like to to to, to watch the 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 surfer and and the individual as a frame and you have a, a frame and that frame can handle x amount of 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 impacts you know the 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 more developed the frame the more it can do and then if we look at surfing it has a particular impact on 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 the frame and the whole thing is that the more you train and the more like with the things we just talked about you more you advance that frame to handle those things like the the adductors um then the knee valgus uh obviously the shoulders the extension uh for the paddling the more sophisticated that frame becomes thanks to classical physical training with a, a surf specific uh, approach the more it can handle while surfing and just like you just mentioned um, people who have a better and stronger adductors will not uh, injure themselves with a particular wipeout whilst if you would, would not have done that training maybe we, we never know but maybe you would have uh, injured yourself a perfect example 
um, is Italo Ferreira, who did the craziest, uh, like, I, I made a video of that on my channel. The craziest, like, I think it was, yeah, it was a floater. He wiped out, he landed the floater, but his front leg uh, slipped off over the nose. And he just went in the nastiest position for his knee possible. And everyone uh, online, obviously, he, 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 he had an injury, a knee injury. And everyone was like, oh, no, he will be out for at least six months, uh, this and that. And after just a few weeks, he was already uh, doing squats again, barbell back squats. And he was already surfing after just just a few months. Um, that I'm, I'm, I want to put my hand in, in the fire for that is just all thanks to his training that he done previously. He recovered way faster. His injury was uh, way less, um, less, less big. Um, thanks to his training obviously i don't know his his coach i don't know what what he what all the training is that he does but i see a lot of it uh, passing by on on socials and there's a lot of good stuff in there and uh, and we can all see that that he puts in the work um and that's what, it, what it's all about that that's what i do with, with with level up i i promote physical training for surfers i teach it uh to my to my riders and if you if you want to to get the most out of your surf sessions and you're keen to do some training, then I can only only advise you to do it. Yeah. So with Level Up, when you first started it, obviously you were transitioning from an in, like in-studio work to the online coaching. How did you initially get the buy-in from clients to sort of transition to work with you, well, specifically surfers as well? Like, was it through the use of social media or was it at first through uh, clients who you had previously? It, uh, it was all thanks to social media. So I started an Instagram. I had my, my personal Instagram account, Keep Mark Antoni, which is not uh, active anymore. And I just started posting stuff on there. Um, people already followed me because of my surfing and then obviously just some, some friends and family. Uh, but I started just posting my own practice on there, my surfing, if I had clips or, 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 or pictures, and then obviously also my, my physical training, my practice. Uh, I got into handstands, I got also into like front splits, middle splits, and then more and more, I started training more surf specific. Then I started Level Up, made an Instagram page, um, Level Up Surf Coaching. And then actually completely through social media, I... Um, I just announced that I that I would take on some online clients, um, and then build it up from there. But it's 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 definitely the the buy-in. Just like to start with this for surfers, it's all pretty new, and surfing is is an extreme sport. And there's a big part of the surfing community that's like thinking. I don't know what it is, but like they are like, if you're training for surfing, it's not cool. So, and that there will always be that, that part, you know, I think it's actually in every sport. I have a feeling that in surfing, there's a lot of resistance from like the core cool surfer guys that, um, that are, that are like putting a, like, even I, I get some, some comments like, um, a cook, cook, cookie, like stop it <laughs> or, or stuff, stuff like that. So that's a perfect example of, of like how people don't really like get it. And there's a lot of that mm. people now which is so cool through the exposure that the professional athletes are 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 giving or the content that the professional athletes are putting out there like that they are also training and then um what what i am doing and and a lot of different uh 
coaches around the world are now doing is like putting out the the knowledge that we have and the benefits it can have on on on, on surfers. Thanks to that, it, more and more people are coming in and and um, and are like, yeah, okay, let's let's try let's try physical training. And that's that's why yeah that's that's the power of social media. Um, so yeah, I actually all through social media I build it up. Um, my coaching. So when you were trying to build up your social media to a point where you could take on the clients, and obviously you had the people there ready to go, what were you doing in terms of so like how's your content adapted to build that following that you have? Uh, so uh, specificity, like just focus purely on. A niche, a niche, yeah, they would call it a niche. So focus purely on surfing so that people come on my page. Uh, they would immediately get, resonate with their own personality, like, oh, I'm a surfer. Oh, he is a surfer. He's putting out content for surfers. Uh, maybe I, I should follow uh, or look into into what, what he is, is doing. Um, so, yeah, just putting out the, 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 the content for surfers and uh, sharing valuable information. And also what I really like about social media is um, uh, connecting with other uh, coaches and other individuals who are practicing and doing the same things that, that I'm doing. Um, so that's what I, what I also really like is opening up discussions, opening, putting something out there. Like, like for instance, the surf squats. I got a lot of uh, like comments and, and, and different perspective of, of people who don't get it. Uh, or are like no, don't do that. That's so dangerous. You will 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 uh, completely destroy your ACL um, or MCL, um, and that that's really interesting to like like you mentioned before to get the the visions and the information from different like we had in in both of us had in our our personal training studio experience. Now you can also have that through social media um the only thing is with social media it's free so there's a lot of noise out there um but as an experienced coach it's 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 cool to like pick different individuals and then start chatting and 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 read the comments and like uh share and learn from each other yeah so oh like obviously now you're at a point where you have the 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 client base and stuff like that and Sometimes I feel like when you've obviously got that, sometimes it can be easier to con just continue what you're doing and not continue to progress yourself as a coach. So what are you still doing now to continue to progress yourself and to continue to learn throughout the process? Uh, you mean as as uh, as education and, and practice? Yeah, or? yeah, education. Well, but let's, let's say both education and your own physical practice, which you can then take on to your clients as well. Yeah. I'm uh, just continuing to be, um, um, how do you say that, to be curious. Uh, I, I, oh, I, the, 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 the will to learn from the beginning until now, so many years later, is still the same. I'm like super curious and I always like to have discussions, healthy discussions with, with other coaches and people. Uh, so that is, is something that that drives me to keep keep on learning. I right now I have some some courses going on that I'm um, diving into. I have some books that I'm reading. Um, so I'm still actually doing some education. And uh, for my own practice, it's just curiosity. Um, I, I I still also do my my middle splits uh, work. I still do my 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 body weight strength work. Uh, and then just being curious, like how far can we push it? 
we push this uh, particular exercise. Like I'm doing a lot of like pistol squats, uh, which I find very beneficial uh, to knees, uh, unilateral strength, leg strength. And then I'm looking like, okay, now I can do like uh, three or four sets of 10 reps on each leg. Maybe we should go over to dragon squats. Okay. Uh, what, what might be the benefit here? There's obviously a lot of mobility going, going on there. Um, yeah. So I'm just, I'm just, I just keep on training and I actually think that I will continue training and, and being, being curious to, to educate myself for the rest of my life. Same with surfing that this, this is so, so beautiful about surfing is that it never stops. If you truly, if you want, you can keep on improving your surfing for the rest of your life. Like, uh, when I was in West Australia, I saw a lot of old, yeah, old, uh, let's 60 year old, um, males and females. Um, so I would, would, would categorize that as an old person. They were just shredding like these guys and, and, and ladies were so good at surfing. Um, so, yeah, you can just keep keep improving your surfing if you want. And it's up to the individual. If you just like to be a, a Sunday cruiser uh, and just catch a few waves and, and enjoy, have a chat with your friends or enjoy the, the the nature, then that's perfectly fine. But if you want to keep improving your surfing, same as with training, if you have your your typical bodybuilding routine which you have been doing for the last 25 years and you're good with that then that's fine but for me that's 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 soon turns into just a boring routine so i want to continue trying new stuff learn from it uh do a cycle of like three three months uh, or even just eight weeks then hop on to the next um same with education same with my surfing and same with my practice yeah I'm interested to hear about your personal training experience. So, like, do you train for maximal strength at all? Like, is that ever does that ever come into your training? And then also to complement the surfing, like, so say, how often do you surf a week? And then also, how often are you training a week to complement that? Yeah. So um, when I when I am in in Belgium, which is now the case. I'm training much more than uh, last year. Last year, I, I, I was um, fortunate, fortunate enough to live in uh, Indonesia for nine months and to travel in, 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 in Asia and then a little bit in, in, in Australia. And yeah, when I was in Indo, I, I surfed so much. Uh, it's sometimes if I had a free day, uh, I, I surfed for like eight hours a day then obviously you're not doing maximal strength training uh, or you're not going to do a, a conditioning workout after that. Um, in those days, I would focus on those periods. I would focus on my recovery. So I have my recovery strategies. I have the big three, my sleep, my nutrition and my hydration. And then I would make sure those are on point. Um, then I have my other strategies that I can implement. We have the SMR, self my fascial release. We have the stretching. We have the breathing, uh, the meditation, um, mobilizers, all that stuff. And I would um, would would do those things to make sure that the next day I'm ready again to go and surf. So people always talk about workouts, but it's also the work in which is so important for for athletes. You have to do workout is is doing exercises that extracts energy from the body 
and the work in is doing exercises and 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 protocols like breathing and stuff like that to bring energy back into the body to restore the body and to re to help the recovery process so in periods that i serve a lot i would do those things and then in periods like right now i'm in i'm in belgium so uh, like i said before not not many waves going on here i'm doing uh, more training um right now i'm uh, doing uh, for the next three months i'm doing more of a uh, strength building um building uh, building back my strength um because i feel that i lost some some strength from all the the, the surfing i i did so i'm doing um some more strength strength work uh and then i'll see after that what what will be uh what will be the case yeah so obviously you're back in belgium now because you had an unfortunate well injury slash bacterial infection which is you know required you to come back so talk me through that whole process of like when you got when you you know when it obviously occurred coming back and then how you're now sort of planning the next few months in order to get yourself back to your best performance yeah so what what happened is um i actually planned to to come back it's the, the holidays now and also uh the the travels that i did uh, past year were planned to be nine months and to come back to Belgium and then see after uh, what what happens. Also now in February already, I have uh, two coaching trips planned for France. Then, so I have to be in Europe. Then in April, again, I have two coaching trips. After that, nothing's planned yet. But uh, yeah, so it was planned to come, come back to, to Europe. And what happened is during the last two weeks of my surfing in Bali, I was in Bali um there was a lot of jellyfish in the water um like small particles that you sometimes can't even see sometimes you see a lot of jellyfish but sometimes you can't even see them and uh yeah just like like the happen that what happens so much in tropical waters is you get sting all over your body it's like small electric electrical shocks um and everyone's then with their hands up in the water and splashing the water because they don't want to get a sting and that happened to me together with so many other surfers and, and that happened to me already so many times. But what happens sometimes is that after you get small blisters, this thing you get, it turns into a small blister. And I'm talking the size of just a pen point, just super small. And I had one on my right knee and I continue surfing, 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 the small blister popped and it leaves a very small wound. But literally I'm talking about the size of a, of a pencil. And uh, I was surfing for a full day. And on the last session, I feel my knee is starting to get like, like fatigued. It was like a feeling like it won't bend that, that easy anymore. And I was like, what, what's happening? But I also had a, just a new surfboard, which, which was a little bit wider and more, had more volume than the one I had before. So I thought, yeah, maybe it's because I'm just working it too much. I'm... Um, I'm putting out more force on my back leg than normal. So I, I went out the, the water, like I already did a few, a few times that day, to drink some water and to eat something. I sit down on the beach and I try to stand up and I feel my knee is just super painful. Um, and I was like, what, what the hell is, is, is happening here? Um, so I really like started like, like um, I don't know, I can't, can't say the word now, like limping. Um, limping yeah limping so i started limping and i immediately thought okay i i ruptured something in my knee 
I, I had the injury. So I went back home. Obviously, I didn't go out anymore. I went home. I called my physiotherapist in Belgium. Sent, I shoot her a message and she uh, gave me a few assessments. I did them and they were all negative. So she said, yeah, there's nothing wrong with your knee or, or yeah, it still can be. But, but normally if you would have anything on your knee, it would be that it would turn out positive. Uh, so I have to go to the hospital because the swelling can also be due, due to an infection. And I was like, what an infection? How, how could that be? So I went to the hospital in Bali. They took my blood. Um, and they saw that indeed I had a, an infection and then they would w wanted to keep me there. So they say, yeah, we want to keep you here at least for a day, uh, to put on, put you on the IV with antibiotics, uh, to see how it goes. But the next day I already had my flight planned. So then, uh, I, I decided to not stay there. I had an insurance upgrade to business class, which I'm so, so lucky and so happy for. Uh, so I could extend my leg and luckily because, uh, it, during the flight, we had two flights, one of, of uh, six hours and one of 12 hours. Um, during the flight, the leg started to hurt more and definitely during the landing, um, with the pressure coming off, it hurt it more and more. And, uh, after the last, uh, flights, when we arrived in uh, Amsterdam, we flew to Amsterdam and then drove back uh, home to Belgium. Uh, my knee, something popped in my knee and there started a pus coming out. Um, and we immediately went actually to the uh, emergency care. And there they kept me for three day, three nights. For three nights, I had to stay there. My inflammation was way too high. And uh, what uh, was the explanation is that due to the very small blister that I had on my knee, but I also had them on, on other places, on my arms and on actually also on the other knee, on my legs, Due to small blister on my right knee, a bacteria came in and it started to working its way down into my knee and that caused an inflammation and the whole knee was full of, um, of uh, pus. So they had to push it out and then make a small uh, incision and, and take it all out. Um, and now, uh, finally, after a week, I can uh, walk again without crutches. Um, I still have some limitations, like I'm trying to, to, to do deep squats now, um, and like fully flexing my knee is still not, not possible. And, uh, like kind of hurts. Uh, and I think in two days I have to go on a, on a, um, on a consultation again with the ortho, ortho, orthopedist. Yeah. I know how yeah. I say that. But the yeah, specialist. Pedic surgeon. Pedic surgeon. Yeah. And, um, they said that in two or three weeks, uh, exercising and surfing would be possible again. Um, so it's, it's not that bad. And there is luckily they saw on all the scans, there is no structural damage to my knee. So all the ligaments are intact. So the first feeling that I, or the first thought that I had that my knee was, uh, injured due to a ligament tear or something it's, is is negative. So there's nothing wrong with my knee except then the inflammation that I had and that now is is needing needing to take care of yeah yeah it's it it's an interesting one isn't it having a knee injury because so i had knee surgery about four months ago and i flew back a couple uh, i think it was about a couple of weeks after the surgery from australia to the uk so it was a 14 hour and a nine hour flight or seven hour and it was like it, again the landing obviously because obviously the amount of swelling it's so it, it's just so painful and hard to describe but then even 
the days after when you're trying to like put weight on it and it feels like you can't activate your quad because obviously the neuromuscular in- inhibition through the swelling like there'll be times where I even now to this day sometimes so I'll be walking and there'll be an uneven surface and you know like when you don't process it in your brain that that that's there my my quad just won't activate and it's sort of the leg kind of gives way and it's quite it's it's a tough one to deal with for a bit especially you know when you've been at like full fitness full form and you're able to do anything you want and then now it's at a point where you're like watching where you're walking and how you do things it's it's a humbling experience yeah it's it's so uh when 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 i when i had the 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 moment where i i had to like limp and and at a certain point could not walk unassisted that feeling was like damn i never want to never want to experience that ever so having then the 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 uh explanation from the specialist that it is not a structural thing but only like infection like a little bit out of my my power at that time i got even more convinced how important it is for for myself to to make sure i don't get injured in the future it can always happen there are a lot of things to injuries but if i have the opportunity to lower the chance through physical training for surfing then i will and i will definitely do it because that feeling of and completely understand what you mean of of like being a fit fit uh young adult and then all of a sudden uh can't can't, can't walk anymore unassisted that feeling is so uh it's not nice <laughs> yeah so i want to get into a few different things as well what people can take away from this because obviously with your experience it, as a surfer and as a like, as a sort of a, a coach as well so the first one i want to i want to ask is what are the three tips you would give to someone who's a beginner who wants to get into surfing um uh educate yourself uh that could be through 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 courses that you can take uh in person go to a surf club uh sign up for a for a teaching pro surf surf coaching teaching program that could be online working together with a coach or that could just be um asking a friend or someone you know with with experience in surfing someone that is at a level that you eventually want to be ask questions um so that that's that's a really big one um then obviously uh physical preparation i mean surfing is so uh taxing on the on the body and uh there's a lot of people uh that actually during when i when i was teaching beginners on the surf camps there's a lot of people that just a one hour surf uh session as a beginner they just couldn't uh complete the entire session why is that? Obviously, there is techniques and um, the techniques of handling the waves and, and the pre- predictability, uh, all those things. But it's also the physical. Um, so a lot of people are physically not prepared for surfing. And if you would prepare yourself physically on surfing, uh, your frame, like I, I talked about earlier, your frame can handle more of the impact surfing will have on your frame. And it will all go go that, that much easier. So that... Um, so to just educate yourself, prepare yourself physically, um, and then, um, also I think material, uh, so like, uh, investing in, 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 uh, in the right, right materials, like, uh, and making the right decisions, like a lot of beginners, like, like so many coaches already talked about on, on, on other podcasts and, and on their platforms is, uh, taking the, the, the wrong surfboard to start with. Um, 
also um, like uh, investing in a good wetsuit if you want to surf if you want to become a better surfer we have physical training we have the education we have all that but eventually you also have to surf the more time you spend in the water um, also the better you can become as a surfer so if uh, um, investing in a winter wetsuit for instance somebody that lives in belgium that's now listening to the podcast if you want to surf more invest in a good if you, if you have the budget invest in a good uh, new or even secondhand wetsuit so that you can surf more during the winter times when it's colder um, or you have the right surfboard so i think yeah material is, is a big one investing in the right material investing in the right education and investing some time in physical training so that you're prepared for um, for surfing yeah and then so if you could only do three exercises for the rest of your life which could benefit your surfing what would they be uh, pull-ups, 100% pull-up, uh, then some form of uh, a lateral squat slash middle split, something that, that, that uh, stretches and loads up the adductors. And are we talking land-based exercises? Land-based exercises, yeah. Um. And then definitely some sort of like a surf squat or a, a squat or lunge that uh, uh, has uh, some rotation involved at the hips and, and knees. Yeah. And then as, say, for a coach who's wanting to start building their client base through social media, what three tips would you give to them to be able to do that? Uh, have a, a niche. So make sure that whatever sport or, or thing you are in, Make sure it's it, there is a niche. Uh, bring out value without accepting anything in return. So bring out like real, true value. I I, I put a lot of time in in, in captions and and writing because I, I like that uh, and, and and thinking about like what could be valuable for others. So bring out value. Have a niche and uh, being uh, consistent. Yeah. So. And then one final question that I have, which I ask all my guests, is how would you like to be remembered? Oh, uh, I think it's a I, tough one. It's always I, a tough one. <laughs> I think, or at least I hope, I still have a very long time ahead. Uh, but when when the day comes, how would I like to be remembered? Just uh, yeah, as a stoked, a stoked, a stoked Belgian surfer that one wants to do anything uh, to to be able to surf as much as possible amazing appreciate you coming on and just let everyone know where they can find you like what where they can find your coaching and stuff like that yeah so the website is uh, levelupsurfcoaching.com um and through uh social media it is on instagram uh levelupsurfcoaching all right amazing thank you for coming on mate appreciate it thank you so much ethan Hope you enjoyed that episode with Keith. He's a really great guy, really knowledgeable person and really enjoyed that episode with him talking all things coaching and coaching philosophies and surfing as well. So if you enjoyed that episode, make sure to give the podcast a like, subscribe or share it or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And also you can find all of Keith's links down in the description below. So I will see you next Monday for another episode.